Okay. I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm the most ready. Okay. What do you know about the troubled teen industry? Oh my God, nothing. Like absolutely zero things. It sounds just like, how is it an industry? <laughs> yeah, how are like, children it sounds like, an industry? Right. How are troubled teens powering an industry is my first question. Mm. Because I don't know. That makes it sounds like we're selling troubled teens. Like what's going on? <laughs> Not really far off, honestly. <laughs> I feel like I didn't know anything either. I had only really heard, like in movies sometimes, you'll have a parent tell their kid who's misbehaving, I'm going to send you to reformatory school. Yeah, I feel like a lot of it also was like, I'm going to send you to military school. I feel like was a lot of the threats I saw in pop culture. Mm -hmm. Cadet Kelly. Uh, (laughs) Right, exactly. Exactly. Um, Well, I first heard of the actual troubled teen industry through Paris Hilton's documentary. Oh, I haven't watched. I I would recommend. I didn't really grow up paying attention to Paris Hilton. I think I was like a little too young to for her to be Mm. like a big star to me. But I read her memoir and I watched her documentary and she's actually pretty badass. I really think that she's one of those maligned women in the media oh yeah because she seems like a total ditz but she's actually fucking brilliant i am so willing to believe that because i feel like you're saying that era was a lot of maligned women just being so entirely misunderstood and pulled apart by the media but also just generally i feel like we're so quick to even now still honestly Mm -hmm. write off anything that is traditionally feminine like pink and frilly and mm-hmm. as you said ditzy like mm-hmm. that's what we that we encode or we code things that are feminine as ditzy and if you need to make a character in a tv show sound stupid you give them a valley girl accent mm-hmm. like i i am so willing to believe that we have misunderstood her because of a lot of bias and the media shitstorm she grew up in and like i'm so down to learn that she's not the way we've perceived her or made her out to be. Totally. And I think even though we code feminine things as frivolous, they're also extremely profitable, mm-hmm. especially things that young girls like you know, r- run the world. hundred <laughs> like, percent. Has has anyone heard of One Direction? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. And so I think Paris Hilton basically was like, okay, I'm just going to create this character and I'm going to become a fucking billionaire on my own by selling the fact that I'm this dumb blonde when actually I'm like a super savvy businesswoman. And it's all a facade. It's crazy. I mean, but it's smart because as much as I obviously try to avoid merging any like progressive ideals of mine with capitalism i do still think that venture capital in general is like 92 percent male and for the most part that does mean they bias toward overlooking the market that is women Mm -hmm. so it's very interesting to know that she sort of saw okay this is kind of like an ignored market and like fuck you guys i'll cater to them on my own and like let you like I'm laughing all the way to the bank exactly like I'm gonna lean in yeah and it's even more impressive I think once you hear everything I'm gonna tell you about the way she grew up right because I had no idea that she went to these schools from like 15 to 18 she went to like a ton of these well went she was sent against her will right to a bunch of these schools and now she's 
spearheading a lot of lobbying efforts to Congress to shut these schools down. Good for her. So let, let's let's go back in time a little to figure yeah, out. Yeah, are we going to find out like if she was actually troubled? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So basically, the troubled teen industry, the roots basically come from this 1950s cult called Synanon. Oh, my God. No. Okay. First of all, I was assuming it was religious because this also just kind of sounds broadly like the most extreme sects of evangelical like Mm. the idea of sending people away to reform them such as conversion therapy but ellie and i candidly both very much love the book cultish and word slut by amanda montel Mm -hmm. her dad was in synanon that's the one he was in that's the one he was in i don't know anything about it i just know he grew up in it yeah 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 so i don't know anything else about it but i'm like i know that name yeah okay freaky violent cult this guy, Charles Dederick, I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name, but whatever. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> he um, he was the leader of this cult, and he lured young people in, promising to cure them of drug addiction and homosexuality. So it was kind of, you know, conversion camp vibes. And his methods were all verbal abuse, physical abuse, forced abortions, forced vasectomies, psychological torture, sleep deprivation, these crazy weekends of physical challenges, all this like really fucked up shit. And this guy, Mel Wasserman, was a follower of this cult. The cult basically was run underground by the FBI. It was never fully eradicated. Hmm. So who knows what's going on there? (laughs) But um, Wasserman was like, oh, you know, I can rebrand and make a really profitable system of schools to help troubled teens, you know, target these youths who are fucked up. And I can use these same methods. So it's basically just like, okay, I saw, what was his name? Dederick? Yeah. So Dederick basically preyed on people's outcast ship. Yeah. Because of either being gay or addicted to drugs. And then it like really lured a bunch of people in. So I'm just going to do that. But now for kids and not to help the kids really, but just to make money is yeah. his goal. And and okay. from behind the scenes, it's going to be the exact same thing as a cult. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to market it to parents as this emotional growth boarding school. And he has no credentials besides having been in a cult. Oh, God, no. No credentials. <laughs> okay. Credentials? What are you talking about? No. <laughs> We don't like that word here at sitting <laughs> on outgrowth troubled teen industry. Yeah, he's just marketing to these parents who feel like they've lost control of their children. So he started the Sidu School in 1967, and he gained accreditation so that he could siphon money from Medicaid, the foster care system, private insurers, and then opened little sister schools, and he would offer kickbacks to therapists who referred the kids so if you're a parent and you have a child who you feel like is out of control or you can't connect with or whatever the case may be and your first approach is i'm going to send them to a therapist i'm going to trust this doctor to help me yeah then the therapist is getting a kickback and then the therapist recommendation to you as a parent then you're going to trust them because they're supposed to be you know ethical doctors is hey i really think your kid would benefit from going to these boarding schools where they really just focus on emotional growth and behavior modification and all this stuff and you would think that the therapist would recommend that because they as a credentialed person themselves yeah. trust in the practices but really it's just they're monetized or like they're incentivized monetarily yeah basically okay 
And they had, they would make these like beautiful brochures of happy kids outdoors. It's all marketing. <laughs> Everything is marketing. You can do whatever you want with good marketing, honestly. Exactly. And they're like, we, we do arts, we do academics, we do college prep and activities, and it's in the woods. We do like adventure education, and your family will be reunited because all your kid needs is to go away for a little while and process their shit in the woods, you know, like going to summer camp all year. How great. But insurance will cover it because he got accreditation. Not, not all insurances would cover it, but like he got accreditation so that he could target more groups, basically. Right. <laughs> I recently tore a bunch of ligaments in my ankle, which was super fun. (laughs) And when I went to my physical therapist's office for the first appointment, I was at the reception desk and they were saying that I needed to fill out a form of how much pain I was in and how much the injury inhibited my daily activities in order for me to get approval from my insurance. And I was like, oh, so the MRI of the two torn ligaments on the left side, the three sprained ligaments on the right side and the one sprained ligament on the bottom, that's not enough (laughs) for the insurance to cover it. So just like... I'm not I'm not ever going to err on the side of less should be covered, but also Mm -hmm. like, how is this person, Mel Wasserman, somehow accrediting his weird kids cult? Yeah. (laughs) In order to get it covered by some insurances when I'm over here where MRI results aren't enough, I have to like also beg and claw for more than a single appointment with a physical therapist to be covered. You, You needed to pay them. You need the kickback system. Need you're to right. pay the no, physical right. therapist to, to tell the insurer to cover you. Right. You're so right. Maybe if I had like a really good brochure on like how oh, it was. Oh my God, absolutely. Really impacted. Just pictures of you falling over. <laughs> pictures of me hobbling in my boot as I walk my dog. Look at how hard it is. Um, so basically he starts this kind of string of schools. They get even more legitimized by the media with in the 90s, like the Mori Povich mm. programs and later Dr. Phil, where they made a ton of money off of episodes mostly featuring like pretty young girls who are messed up. And that made the funnel to these schools even bigger and more legitimized that, mm-hmm. oh, it's on TV. You know, this is where we have to send our kids. Dr. Phil is always at the scene of the crime. Like I know. He He's... needs to go away. Talk about not having credentials. Right. You're not a doctor. Right. Get out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically the recruitment process. Like how are the kids getting here? There's a type of school called wilderness programs that are kind of a gateway into the troubled teen industry. They're shorter term. They're like two to three months. And they're, yeah, they're like a funnel to getting into like the proper I'm at school all the time and it's a lot of the outdoorsy we're hiking and we're doing therapy and we're sharing over the campfire kind of situation Mm -hmm. and they do preach that they use like tough love and they practice you know behavior modification and and we are going to be stern with your kids and we're going to get them in line but you know it's all with love we're we're at the campfire we're sharing stories it just like I see this going south so quickly and I'm just holding my breath. I know. And it's like targeting these parents who are, you know, at the end of their rope, like nothing has worked. I don't know how to get my kid under control. This sounds great. They'll do anything. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like stuck in the woods. What's what else is my kid going to do? But listen to whatever these these experts are going to do. And they're also pretty expensive. So if you don't have some insurance that's covering it, there, there are a lot of very privileged kids that go to these schools, like rich kids who are spoiled and the parents are kind of like, I'm going to just throw money at the problem. But they're also, because they're expensive, 
wealthy families and not wealthy families, I think, see that as, oh, it must be good because it costs so much to go there. Like, we associate the actual value of something right. with the price tag. Right. So uh-huh. there are, like, a bunch of working class families who the parents take out, like, second mortgages and get second jobs to send their kids to these schools. Oh, my God. But the rich kids are more targeted because they, especially celebrities, because they have, like, deep pockets and really what they these schools want right. is money. Right. And there are a bunch of celebrities who have sent their kids to these schools. Barbara Walters, Michael Douglas, Clint Eastwood, Roseanne Barr. Like, all these people <gasps> have sent their kids. The Hiltons, obviously. So, yeah, so parents are usually encouraged by their therapists or courts. So the so the therapist is telling the parents. They're not telling the kid, like, you have X, Y, and Z diagnosis. Here's a brochure. You should look into it. They're, they're, the therapists are reporting back to the parents, but yeah. not to the kid. Yeah. Got it's it. like, we're talking to the parents. This is where you should send your kid. Or a court might recommend it, usually after, like, a failed drug test. Oh, my God. What, but... Okay, so what? Mel Wasserman's like notified the courts that he exists. He's given them brochures too, and is like, yeah, like how how do the judges know to recommend that? It's completely legitimized as an option for these kids. Oh my god! And I don't know what like at what point does a child become like completely untreatable? You know, the threshold seems so vague. And it's not like I would want a judge saying. I mean, just if I'm picturing like a court ordered attendance to this school it's not like i would prefer the alternative which is i don't know juvenile detention like i'm not saying that i want whatever the other state sanctioned alternative is it's more just like how do even judges know about this like yeah that is integrated into and of course the parents are going to think it's legitimate if a judge is saying we strongly recommend this for your troubled child who can't stop getting arrested like Okay, sure. Yeah. Judge, yes. Like, if you're recommending it, I have to trust you in your stupid robe. Know what you're doing. No, 100%. Like, it's all coming from legitimate-seeming sources. Yeah. So these wilderness programs are usually, like, short-term, and the staff kind of prey on the students and the parents to convince them that the child needs more time to get better. And so then they recommend transitioning to these therapeutic boarding schools and that recommendation convinces like 45 percent of parents that they need to send their kids to a, lo- a more long-term and they're owned by the same people like the pretty same much people are profiting yeah okay. it's that's why it's an industry it's like the the oh therapist God. gets paid to send you to the wilderness program and then the more long-term schools are probably like doing kickbacks to the wilderness programs to send like <laughs> you know it's it's a way of like oh, easing God easing the parents yeah. into the industry like slowly but surely it's like oh you to send your kid to therapy and then oh you know maybe maybe two months at this outdoor camp and then the camp's like you know we really think that it'd be great if you sent them to like a full year programming this is how much it's gonna cost like blah 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 it's like sending your kid to college it's like 60 grand or whatever oh my God. no but that makes sense to do it gradually because that is the hallmark of like really culty things no yeah. one's ever gonna say out of the gate like hey do you want to do this super extreme thing they're gonna say hey like do you want to just like grow and heal and feel better yeah. okay let's start here and then it escalates yeah and the escalation i think creates even more distrust between the parent and the child where the parent is like wow my kid must be really fucked because they have to keep increasing right, right. it's not like right. oh right off the bat send your kid to this school where you can't talk to them on the phone and like God knows what's happening. That's a much harder sell than like, look, we're trying, but we really think they need to go to this other place because 
they're really tough and whatever. And you're like, holy shit, my kid's really out of control. I need to send them to the most intense version. It's the best. Like, I'm a parent. If the kid kid somehow finds a phone to call you and says, hey, this place is super fucked up. Like you just said, okay, the parent's not going to trust you. They're not going to believe you. They're going to say, you're just saying that to get out of it and you need more help. And that's exactly what happens. And the the instructors and the teachers and stuff there will say to parents, do not listen to your kids. They're just lying to you. So they basically have this like carte blanche to do whatever they want because they've convinced the parents that your kid is so manipulative. Remember when your kid was at home and was lying to you about everything? That's exactly what they're doing here. They just want to get home so they can hang out with their friends and do drugs and whatever other nefarious things they were doing. And... The parents oh are God. like, well, of course, my stupid kid that lies to me about everything is making this shit up. And so then they never. They, so then it just continues. Ooh, it just it in every little corner of these like weird predatory industries. It's just money making. Yeah. And they and it preys on people in very vulnerable situations and who could also like a lot of these kids also, you know, there's some who are the entire time like, what the fuck? Get me out of here. And then others who are so beaten into submission that they they also think that they have a problem and something terrible could happen to me if I leave this school because I'm not ready for the world or whatever. And then they like end up working at those schools later. Like they're so incapable of being out in the real world Uh. that they just stay in this like cycle of abuse. And now their parents don't trust them and they don't trust themselves. Yeah. That's sad. No, it's terrifying. So a lot of the kids that are going are these really privileged kids and they're kind of immune to police repercussions and Mm. so the parents i kind of empathize with the parents in some way of like they're desperate nothing works their kids are out of control because there's definitely a range of what being out of control means Mm -hmm. so like one of the books that i read was talking about this thing that some kids will do called swatting where they call the police with high threat situations saying like there's a kidnapping there's a murder there's a hostage situation and it's a prank and they'll send an address and it'll be like your enemy at school or whatever. And they'll be like, someone's in in their basement. And so the SWAT team arrives and like people have died in these situations because the SWAT team thinks there's like a huge crisis. When you say people have died, not because there was an actual murder that was being reported, but because the SWAT team goes in armed. Yes, exactly. And it's like these rich kids who have never had anyone say no to them and they're like that's so funny i'm gonna send the fucking swat team yeah it's not a funny prank it's not a joke it's like acute harassment yeah and legislators have now determined this as an act of terrorism but you know there's kids that are doing that (laughs) and like right that's super intense and then there are kids who like in paris hilton's case are just like huge party kids and like yeah Paris Hilton was constantly sneaking out of the house, skipping school, lying to her parents about where she was. You know, it's the 90s in New York. She's 15 and at clubs. And her parents are terrified that something awful is going to happen to her. She's also from like a high profile, wealthy family. Mm -hmm. She always promises she's going to stop and then she never does. And they're just like, we need to get her out of the city. She's just getting in her own way. She's not going to school. Like everything is going to fall apart. We need to get her away from the situation. She's not going to listen to us. So she needs to go somewhere else yeah and like 15 is young to be partying in new york city clubs yeah like i I empathize with that totally and she had this like awful situation with this teacher at her school who groomed her and like was talking to her like typical creeper older man pedophile vibes Mm -hmm. that's like Mm -hmm. you're so mature you're so much better than like all the other girls in the school or whatever and like took her out and and like kissed her in his car and Ah! her dad caught them and like 
freaked out and was like, you ruined my life to Paris. Like, I'm going to lose my job because of this, whatever. No, like, it's not Paris's fault. Of course oh. not. And also the parents are like, already don't trust their kid. And they're like, you're yeah. hooking up with your teacher. Like, you're going to ruin your life, even though it's obviously not her fault. Like, the parents' perspective is like, my kid doesn't listen to me. My kid's getting drunk with adults all day. Yeah. Or, or not all day, but like every night. She's sneaking out. She's all over the New York City. I have no idea where she is. Now she's hooking up with her teacher. If somebody finds out about this, like it will taint her forever. Like mm-hmm. the city is not good for her. She needs to go somewhere else. And I completely understand that feeling. And mm-hmm. maybe like a normal boarding school would have been a better option. But they're like, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, she's crazy. She's out of control. We need someone to like kind of whip her into shape. Mm-hmm. And so these schools are waiting for that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. A Hilton being like, my kid, like, I don't know what to do. And they're like, don't worry about it. <laughs> All the celebrities come to us. We're discreet. We'll handle the situation. Yeah. And then there's other kids who have addiction issues, eating disorders, mental health struggles. So there's kind of a big array of, of kids hmm. of like why they're going to to these schools. That is kind of a big array that it doesn't seem like one place could necessarily treat everything. Like, yeah. How would the course of action for a chronic partier be the same as someone struggling with anorexia nervosa? I don't yeah. understand. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, okay. they're not interested in treating them. They're just like, ooh, your right, kid has right, right. any issue your kid has. Come here, little children. <laughs> yeah. So according to the Salt Lake Tribune, the state of Alaska spent more than $31 million in Medicaid funds to send 511 kids to facilities in Utah between 1999 and 2005. Wait. 511 kids. $31 million in Medicaid funds. I'm... It's not computing. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's like how? 60K per kid funded by tax money from just one state. That's so expensive. It's crazy. To be in the woods. I can camp for free. Like, in Alaska, of all places. <laughs> I don't. I'm so. I'm, so Alaska spends mm-hmm. $31 million to send about 500 kids to Utah. Yeah, because that's where all these... That, that's like a hub of these crazy schools. Okay, why is Utah a hub for everything creepy? Culty. Like, yeah. MLMs, cults, Mormonisms, troubled teens. What's going on? I don't know. Someone needs to do like a full state audit on Utah. Yeah, someone <laughs> needs to look into why is that so likely? Like, there must be like a tax break for there cults. Must, like, yeah, there must be going some... On. Yeah, favorable tax situation. There and that's why they all be. go there. There has to be. Okay, so Alaska, who? So just an example of how much money is spent. And this is just Medicaid money. So that's like taxpayer dollars go to Medicaid and it's being used to send kids to these really abusive programs. So just, just you know, at the top of the episode when you asked why it's an industry, this is, <laughs> this is why it's an industry. <laughs> My brain is breaking, but okay. Yeah. So then there's this lovely way of getting the kids to the schools. Oh, no. They're called transporters. And so the schools will convince the parents that the kid is not going to go willingly. They can't just, like, drive the kid to the door and drop them off. You should pay $2,000 to $5,000 per kid to have these transporters come into your home and wake your child up in the middle of the night and take them to the program. And depending on the resistance of the child, they may be handcuffed or... Like, whatever they need to do. Wait, wait, wait. The kid doesn't know they're going to this school. 
So the kid thinks they're being kidnapped. I would think I was being murdered. What does that like? What do you mean? Like in the middle of the night, some strangers come and handcuff you and drag you away. Yes. Literally Paris Hilton was in her bed at 430 in the morning. The door busts open. She was pulled out of bed by her ankle. She thought she was getting kidnapped or was going to be assaulted or killed. They handcuffed her. They covered her mouth. She's screaming and thrashing. She's like shoved into a van pleading to them. She's like, my family has money. They'll pay anything to get me. Don't do this. Like, Uh, I I have money. What do you want? And they're like, (laughs) your parents called us. You're out of here. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm like, why is this necessary? I, I would I would I would never get over like that is capital t trauma no she she literally talks about it in her book and in her documentary that she still has like chronic insomnia and like has nightmares every night because she has the same repeat nightmare that someone's dragging her out of bed right like just because you weren't just because it wasn't a murderer who kidnapped you doesn't mean you weren't kidnapped like you were kidnapped of course you have the trauma associated with that that is functionally the same as if someone who was kidnapped by some other malicious entity and then just like returns later like you were both kidnapped yeah exactly oh my god and parents will also transfer temporary parental rights <gasps> to allow them to administer any sort of medical attention and restrain the child what does so that mean they can <laughs> drug does- the kid they can strip search the kid which they do that that is like crazy so you're saying okay it's sixty thousand dollars to go there for however many months but uh, optional upsell we can kidnap your child and also handcuff and drug them for you yeah they're like this is the better option your kid's not gonna go willingly let us handle it and scare the living shit out of your kids so that they know that there's repercussions to their actions and so paris's parents were like with the door ajar like watching this happen like okay oh like crying like this is awful there she goes and the kid's like thrashing screaming like mom dad like wake up like someone broke into our home and is kidnapping me i can't even imagine like it's so fucking horrible i don't understand why it's necessary by any stretch of the imagination i I, know i don't and like and these programs clearly these people just get off on abusing children because that's what i was gonna say is like who who comes up with this (laughs) right like and and i don't want to like play the blame game because as you're saying it's sometimes people who went to camps like this themselves who are now working for these same entities yeah but you are by conditioning or malice really far gone if you're at a point where you can comfortably go kidnap someone and like know that they're not in danger and watch them actively enduring lifelong trauma fearing for their life and just be like (laughs) yeah literally laughing at them i'm just gonna take yeah Mm mm-hmm exactly like you deserve this you got what you deserved and you think your parents are coming to save you (laughs) that's hilarious and just like okay i i understand that they don't share probably a lot of the same philosophy as me so they wouldn't think about it like this but i i don't really think that like life-threatening or what feels to your body viscerally like a life-threatening trauma is the best launch pad for like fixing a child's behavior like that could trigger PTSD, depression, anxiety. Like, I don't understand how you're then going to be, like, the best version of yourself after you were kidnapped. Yeah, I think they're trying to get you to a place of being so scared and powerless that you submit to whatever they they want to do to you at these schools. <sighs> love that. Love, yeah. Love that. So basically, she arrives to this school thinking, I don't know where I am. They strip search her. This... 15 year old girl pulled out of her bed what exactly do you think is it she was asleep wait wait wait, wait. <laughs> um 
And she tried to say no. And they were like, well, your parents gave us power of attorney and we will sedate you if necessary. So she's like getting naked in front of these adults who are all watching her and doing cavity searches. And then they gave her these like a pair of stained sweatpants and no shoes because shoes are a privilege that she'll have to earn. Wait. And also just for those who don't know, cavity searches, that includes like your vaginal cavity. Like, yeah. They're searching you everywhere for drugs or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Nice, nice. And she and it's okay. so heartbreaking because she says in the book she was like they said like you know we we have to do a cavity search or whatever and she was like what like what does that mean like, she thought what? they meant like a dental cavity like oh, we're gonna check your teeth <laughs> she's like where where what do you think of, where what like never would have <laughs> crossed her mind that you could like hide something in your vagina right. or your ass like she's like what. <laughs> This poor kid. That's so tragic. This book is also so crazy because she's like, in the intro, she talks about having ADHD and that that's Mm going to kind of be like manifested throughout the book, that she's going to jump around, that some things Mm. are going to be kind of out of order and that she's like, that's just the way my brain works. And so roll with it. And so she's like telling this awful situation of the like cavity search and then giving her these sweatpants or whatever. And I wrote down this quote just to give you a sense of like how this book is organized where like she'll say something awful and then she'll say something after where you're like, what was the transition? <laughs> but also just her take on things. She So she said, they meant to humiliate me by giving me those magenta sweats, but pink has always been my power color. You think models, <laughs> you think models like everything they're made to wear? You wear the clothes. The clothes don't wear you. Walk with confidence. Oh. <laughs> like, oh Only Paris can be like, you think you got me? Bitch, I can rock pink yeah. any day of the week and like struts out of there. Oh, my God. Like, and no one should need to be that resilient. But like, my God, I fucking love that. <laughs> She's so fabulous. Um, So she was force fed drugs to make her complicit and not talk back because you're just like <sighs> sedated. And to not be, like, cognitively sophisticated. Like, they want to crowd, like cloud your memory and yeah. have you just be this kind of zombie person. Yeah. And the rules at these places are insane. And they're made this way. Like, it's impossible to meet all the rules. It's all, like, a, like a, a reward system. So there's all these rules. If you break a rule, you're punished. And mm-hmm. you slowly earn privileges like shoes or a phone call every two weeks mm. to your parents. <laughs> 15 minute phone call fast and loose with the word privilege but okay yeah exactly but it's so hard to get to that next level because all of these rules are so contradictory and like impossible to meet. yeah like you're constantly losing yeah so some examples there was like a glossary of terms that they had to remember like she got there and there was like a binder of the rules some of these rules no dancing skipping twirling shuffling your feet throat clearing swearing singing touching kissing hugging holding hands, crossing your legs, whistling, breathing too hard, smacking your lips while eating, talking about music, sports, movies, news, your family, your friends, clothes, your room, your school, or anything else about home. Wait. So don't connect with anyone. Are you still going? (laughs) Yes, yes. Okay. No mention of Marilyn Manson. Okay. You can't talk about candy, junk food, bikes, skateboards, no looking out the window without permission. No opening a door without permission. No going to the bathroom without permission. But also no asking for permission to go to the bathroom. So I don't really know how you get to pee. Uh, but you whatever. You tapped. They come and they, exactly. they knight you. Yeah. Exactly. No asking for food or water. No eating outside of eating windows. No leaving food on your plate. No asking why or why not. No slouching. No sighing. No eye rolling. No snoring. Because hmm. that's something people have control over. 
No shrugging, fidgeting, nail biting, scratching, whining, crying, yelling, and you're encouraged to snitch if anybody breaks one of these like crazy rules. She like tells a story of like she like looks out the window and her roommate was like, Paris, ah, look out the window. Because then they're like rewarded for snitching. And I mean, being a person necessarily involves most of that stuff. Like, yeah, my eyes move. I breathe. (laughs) I sleep and thus sometimes snore. My when I'm uncomfortable and I can't slouch, sometimes I'll cross my legs. Like, what does any of that mean? No throat clearing? What if I'm fucking choking? Like, let me live. Exactly. I'm so confused. No, it's really it's just designed to fail so that you're That's always a list of just being a person that's not even like there's no thread there that's not yeah even like okay this is kind of extreme but like whatever like these antiquated really harsh tough fun crime tough love people think all of these things are prob- that's none of those things are problematic it's just literally living yeah like the no swearing rule i'm like okay it's a school that's supposed to be about reforming your behavior you're not allowed to swear like that makes sense you're not allowed to snore what how how do I control that? Also, what do you talk about? Like, okay, we're not allowed to talk about home or music or yeah. biking. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Like, you're like, I went on the loveliest, like, rail trail bike ride with my mother. Fuck you for talking about yeah. biking and your mom. Like, what? <laughs> no, it's insane. And it's like, completely forget about your life outside of here. Never talk about it. Don't, like, remind each other that life exists outside of these walls. They also have these, like, communal showers with no barriers of any sort. and It costs $60,000 and there's not a shower curtain. Nope. Love. And while you're showering, the counselors watch you shower and, like, make comments about their bodies and make animal noises at them. Why? Just to to humiliate and degrade (laughs) them. Like, just to make them... Just completely dehumanize them so that they just are run down. I don't know what's wrong with these people. That is like abuse. That is that in and of itself, not even Mm -hmm. the list of rules, but to be standing in a shower and have a group of authority figures watching you shower, making animal noises Mm -hmm. is fundamentally abuse. Mm -hmm. That's absurd. Yeah, it's not because it's not even like, a oh, you're at some sort of institution for people struggling with their mental health and they have to have like a nurse with you while you shower so you don't hurt yourself or something. And the nurse is kind of just like standing there, not staring directly at you, but just monitoring. No. It's like right. everyone's exposed in a line, showering, cold, right. while these adult men are watching these teenage girls shower. How is that going to help? Like, you know, so they're gross. sent here because they have an eating disorder, and now you're watching them shower and commenting on their body. Yeah, and making, like, pig noises at them. Do the therapists, like, know that that's happening at these places? No. Ugh. There's no federal regulation of these schools. They're completely independent. So everything that's happening behind these doors, they can do whatever they want, and They have no, like, markers that they need to meet, and they can just present information about what's happening Mm -hmm. however they like, and they just say that the kids are all messed up and they lie. They they completely have, like, all the authority in the world to do whatever they want and convince the outside world that they're very therapeutic places where you're going to get your kid in line. Just, like, so unfortunate because it is so specifically a demographic that, like, adults and authority figures arresting them and whoever else are already unwilling to trust. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's just like so ripe for exploitation. Mm -hmm. So they also have these horrible sessions called rap. And so it's basically the kids sit in a group and they need to be brutal to each other. They'll just pick. I pick Audra. I start just saying like heinous things to you. Like 
You're so <laughs> awful. Your family hates you. You're such a piece of shit. Like nobody loves you. You're never going to be a, amount to anything. And they try to make it very specific to you. And everyone piles on and piles on and piles on. And they don't stop until the person starts crying and like crumbling and admitting to who they are. Like they need to admit their deep, dark secrets. And so people will just like make shit up to make the abuse stop. So they'll be crying and they'll be like, I abused my little brother. Right. When they didn't just to have it be over. Of course. And so they go around the group doing that to each other. And then at the end of it, it ends with this thing called a smush where they all have to snuggle up on the floor and like pet each other and cuddle. Huh? I don't know. It's like it's like some sort of weird like you need to let it all out and then we all come together and now we're all purged when really it's just abuse and then making them hold each other when they don't want to and if you don't do it you get like the worst chores and like lose all your privileges so you have to just sit there be abused and then abuse back when you don't want to. that sounds like torture and i yeah. don't mean that in the colloquial sense i mean the like military tactic sense like absolutely isn't that a thing where when you torture prisoners of war just to make it stop they'll admit to anything whether or not it's true like mm-hmm. haven't we seen this before like doesn't this not work <laughs> uh, they don't care <laughs> they don't care it's crazy I, just, I feel like all we've talked about so far is like the trip to get to the place the showers and like the rap sessions and i'm already like i don't know how it could possibly get worse no exactly well it's because you and i would never do weren't this. they promised weren't they promised like arts and crafts like what what about the pictures in the brochures like where are those pictures being taken against their will oh my God. like <laughs> they're not happening there are no fun activities fake literally they're probably photoshopped mm-hmm. so the kids need to kind of show that they're trying to change to get to new levels and like i said like each tier comes with a shoe rewards <laughs> yeah exactly a shoe a second shoe <laughs> <laughs> so you have to like share during group therapy and then you can ch- check your facebook for 10 minutes you talk back you have to clean everybody's toilets. Mm. And so kids will just pretend to be improving. Obviously. Just to survive. And then there's another thing that they'll do where if you break rules and like someone snitches on you or something, like they find out that you're breaking a rule, you get put on bands, which means you can't talk to anyone and no one can talk to you. So you'll just be walking around and like no one will address your existence. Like they can't look at you. They can't speak to you for however long they want to have you on bands. So now you're just in this like isolate. You can't speak. You can't. As if you're already not dehumanized enough. Now you're invisible. I just feel like they're getting everything exactly wrong. Yeah. Like this is a literal playbook for how to make everything worse. Mm-hmm. I, I do, like I know a lot of fans of restorative justice will know this, but like social isolation doesn't work. Nope. So having you not allowed to talk to anyone and no one allowed to talk to you. I mean, we're piling on here. Like I'm. that's clearly not the worst of the grievances here, but nothing is right. Like there's nothing right. Like if you didn't have a mental health issue prior you certainly will after a hundred percent a circle of people screaming at you the worst things they could ever say yeah the most like heinous insults that in and of itself I, I would unravel and you're like 15 16 it's just the worst time of your life to be receiving any of this mm-hmm. and yeah they can only call their parents every two weeks for 15 minutes and they're the calls are being monitored like someone's in front of you to make sure that you're just saying like i miss you but this is great and whatever and if you try to say anything negative the counselors are going to just tell your parents that you lied but also then you like will lose your phone privileges so if you're like i just need to hear my mom's voice after two weeks of abuse for 15 minutes i just want to hear something nice and hear that they love me or whatever i'm just i can't share anything the person's right in front of me they're gonna beat the shit out of me so i guess i'll just 
Like, okay, yeah, no, it's great, Mom. I love the outdoors. Ugh. And so the worst of these schools is this school, uh, Provo Canyon School, where, like, kids would say to each other, like, you better behave or you're going to end up at Provo. Oh, fuck. And that's where Paris ends up because oh my God. she's... I'll get to this in a bit, but she's like, again, smarter than everyone. She sne- she breaks out and runs away from all of the schools they send her to. Like she Shit. finds a way to run away from all of them. So they get the fuck for her. Yeah. So she ends up at this school. Her parents take a tour of the place. They make it look lovely. So like they know how to like dress it all up. It's not even just the brochures. Like they'll the parents will come and see it and it looks beautiful. And then she gets there. She's put in solitary confinement. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. She's drunk. And in her what? Her crime is partying. Yes. And she's put in solitary. Jesus fucking Christ. Yes. They restrain her. They have like straight jackets for the kids. She has to sleep on the floor in this cell. And her family's like the family story is that she's at a boarding school in London. So oh her friends, God. her her sister, like her family members don't know that this is where she actually is. Yeah. They do like full pelvic exams. They put a sweatshirt on you with a number on it and they just call you by the number. They have like a point system for following the rules. She didn't go outside for 11 months while she was at that school. You're joking. Yeah. She was just inside. No, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't like just this. being called a number. <laughs> My skin is crawling. This it's, is like it's prison for babies. I, right. Right. Like none of this. Not one thing they're doing lends itself to growing, healing, changing, behaviorally improving. Yeah. You're not allowed outside. Yeah. They had her in this cinder block room the size of like a public restroom with a drain hole, a roll of toilet paper and a bucket and like a tiny window with mesh and there was like blood and feces on the walls and she was left inside naked and they would keep the temperature really cold and they would like take your bra and underwear so you couldn't use it to kill yourself you could hear other girls in other rooms crying horrendous horrendous abuse like i cannot believe this is real it's crazy you're like i'm like oh i'm gonna read paris hilton's memoir i'm gonna hear about like fun times (laughs) at the club and she's like i'm in this cold room with feces naked locked inside for 11 months i don't i cannot believe this is real and like my brain is rejecting this information i know and like we were saying earlier of like the resilience like she built the persona that we know today while she was in this hole because she was fantasizing about like how beautiful and amazing her life could be just to survive like having this fantasy and she's like i'm gonna get out of here and i'm i'm gonna make the most like glamorous beautiful life and she talks about how you know she's thought of as this like completely materialistic person she never wears the same outfit twice she has all this Mm -hmm. stuff i think i mentioned to her in another episode with the bling ring that the bling ring would like steal from her and it took her months to figure out that anything was missing and people criticize her for that but it's literally a trauma response of her being like i had nothing for so long that i was like i will own everything i will have so much abundance when i get out of here yeah i'm gonna have 17 different phones and cars and houses and all this stuff and i'm gonna like build my life so big that nobody can hurt me like no one's ever gonna be able to take anything away from me again yeah and it makes total sense like seeing from the outside not just being like oh wow capitalist titan over here it's like this is a hurt little girl who was like when i get out of here no one's gonna take my fucking shoes away again yeah i'm gonna have so many fucking shoes yeah and oh it's just so like it's so heartbreaking it's so heartbreaking and it's like I do think that 
there are not enough resources for parents generally. I mean, you and I have talked about that probably in like the child pageants episode of season one and like our OnlyFans episodes. Like we talk about how a lot of times there are these sort of weird phenomena that are outgrowths of parents just not having enough means to take care of their children sometimes. Yeah. And so I do generally think, especially for kids with like miscellaneous mental health concerns, there are not enough resources for parents and there's so much parent shaming. And I think that's important to talk about. But this is not the resource. Like this is not it. This is not it. And like, the fact that this can even be existing for people who have unlimited resources, like right. the Hilton family, right? this is still marketed to them as the best option for their child. Like the ultra rich are sending their children here. And she tells a story about how her parents were allowed to come visit for Christmas and the way that they kind of like glam it all up for when the parents come. They set up a bed in a room she did not sleep in because she would sleep on a mattress in the hall. So they like put up this room. They pull out these stuffed animals that her parents had been sending her, like gifts that she didn't know that they were sending. And they like put it on the bed and they're like, this is Paris's room. There's there's like a clip of it in her documentary and you can just tell that she's like broken down like she has like barely an expression on her face she's just kind of like yeah it's my room or whatever and like and her parents are like this is great like this looks like so sweet and nice like look at my sweet darling daughters like here with her little stuffed animals and she's not on the streets of new york in the middle of the night like the parents don't know that this is happening and they they had like heard stories about like bad things happening at certain schools but they were like that only happens at the bad cheap schools we're paying for the best oh my god so like the parents say in like the documentary they're like if we knew we would have been there in a second and we would have pulled you out and there's just like no way to communicate that well there's no way for them to have known because first of all she only gets to call every two weeks if that god forbid she sighs or snores (laughs) and it's going to be another two weeks till you hear from her yeah but also again this institution has built so much mistrust in the minds of her parents anyway that honestly if she had said it at the time if there hadn't been someone supervising her on the phone if she had a phone call in the first place i don't know that they would have believed her like yes of course if they trusted and believed that that was what was going on of course they would have been there in a second but it's like what would it have taken to get you to know and believe that in that moment and the things they're doing are so horrific that it's kind of like impossible to believe i mean i just said my brain's rejecting it like i don't believe it and if you think your kid is like this drama queen who's just gonna whatever say anything and she had this like series of running away from all the programs so runaways are a huge problem in the industry oh my god (laughs) um so like they they try to avoid it by like trying to convince them that you have no money you have no way to communicate where are you gonna get food we're in the middle of the woods strategically that's why these schools are in the middle of the woods like you're so far away from anything you could die in the woods you could get kidnapped there are kids who have run away and are still missing (gasps) oh my god and that's part of why they don't give you shoes and they give you clothes that like would not hold up in the wilderness like they really try to make sure that if you do leave you could die and so they convince you of that paris was like fuck you i'll figure it out and literally broke out of all of them and how far from like civilization are they very far they're like in the middle of the woods she would like Like run she would run for miles in the woods until she'd like find a road and then follow the road and try to get to a gas station like she was on it that is so impressive isn't the word because no one should ever have to do that but i am for better or for worse impressed because i know i could never you know yeah of that like confidence where she was 
I, I don't know if you've like heard her speak, but she speaks with this kind of like baby voice mm-hmm. that's completely fake. Like sometimes you'll hear her in interviews kind of slip into normal voice and she actually has like a very deep kind of husky voice. Mm-hmm. And she it was like a defense mechanism that she created to make people think she was stupid. So they would never like think that she was capable of doing anything. Yeah. Because oh. then they'll like, oh, we don't need to keep too close of an eye on her. She's dumb. And she's like, ha ha, gotcha. Yeah. So like the second she got shoe privileges at one of the schools, she escaped through a bathroom window and she ran on the road, found a payphone. She was like, every city kid knows this trick that you can like do this, this or whatever. And then you can call whoever you want. And I'm like, what? <laughs> maybe maybe she like called collect or something. Yeah, something where, like that. Where then yeah. she called her aunt to come get her and her aunt was like 25 at the time or something and she's like like crying to her aunt like you have no idea this is crazy blah 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 and the aunt like naturally you know she's young and it's not her kid she calls paris's mom and is like hey like paris just called me freaking out and so the parents call the school the school comes and finds her and takes her back and then she like another time she had managed to get cash at some point i guess one of the times she escaped and she like hid the cash in her hair in a bun because they do strip searches so she was like they'll never think to check my hair i'll just throw it in a bun and i have cash in there Mm -hmm. and she like tells this really heartbreaking story of escaping with this other girl who's like 14 and was like completely emaciated super run down it was just like like you need to take me with you and paris was like i don't want to be like the people who didn't help me fine let's go Mm -hmm. and so she runs away with this little girl they make it to la they live with one of paris's friends they wore disguises like they bought wigs like on hollywood boulevard or something and like tried because people were looking for them but she was running out of money and she was really scared to stay in one place and called a friend of hers from new york and he bought her a plane ticket to go hide out in his house in connecticut but she couldn't bring the girl because she was a lot younger and like the guy was like i don't want to deal with like some sort of kidnapping charge yeah so she had to like leave the little girl behind and like she left her whatever money she had left and she's like i still don't know where that girl is like this horrible stuff and she was like hiding at the connecticut house for a while and like i think after a few months her friend like convinces her that they should go into the city to like get food and she was really worried that she was going to get found out if she went into the city. So she like had her disguise on or whatever. And they got to the restaurant. They're sitting down and her dad walks in and her friend's like, I'm so sorry. Like I had to tell them. So her friend and tricked her. Yeah. Her friend, I think was like another young kid who was like, I'm kind of in over my head. I need to get the parents back involved or whatever. And the parents found her, sent her back. <sighs> so she's just like in and out of these schools constantly Every time she runs away, she loses more credibility to her family, yep. especially if when she does run away. It's like, OK, so you run out of the school and you're just like fucking around L.A. and New York with your friends and going out to restaurants like exactly what they told us you would do. You would just go back to your life. And she's like, well, I couldn't go. I couldn't go home because you don't listen to me. So I have to like hide with my friends. Literally, what the fuck else would you do? Exactly. So she finally gets out at 18 and she didn't even have a high school diploma because they don't like teach you anything and there's no like transferable credits so she could only go like she would have to go back to school and start at the 10th grade so she didn't go back to high school she was like if it ever becomes a problem i'll get a ged so she literally is like 18 has been through all this torture and she doesn't even have like she would have to go back to a normal high school right because all she knew how to do was the rap sessions where they all scream at each other like exactly that's ridiculous yeah so her story was just so wild and crazy to hear like everything she's been able to build for herself 
Is after. that typical for these teens to have been to more than one of the places? Yeah. I mean, I know you said the wilderness first, longer term one second is kind of the path that they're aiming to push these kids down. But yeah. is it typical to like go to more than one, be in there for years, etc.? It's definitely typical to be in there for years. You have some kids who like her roommate at her first place who was like, you should follow the rules. Like, it's really great. Like, I've been here for a whole year and like this kind of Stockholm syndrome type of situation mm-hmm. where she's like, mm-hmm. no, if you do the rules correctly, like then you get privileges and I'm get- it's I'm getting rewarded and this is good. And this terrified undertone. Mm-hmm. So I think they're kids who stay in the same place if they're just kind of terrified and following the rules. And then they're kids who jump around because they run away or they're like problematic. So they get sent to another school or whatever. And then you just get dumped out into the world at 18 traumatized. Right. Like what skill? Yeah. No skills. <laughs> no friends, no connection to your family. And it's a huge, like much more likely that they'll turn to drugs, mm-hmm. that they'll be like doing a lot of reckless behavior once they get out because they finally have freedom. And for Paris's roommate, the one who is sort of a rule follower, what's the path to being discharged? Like, okay, so this girl's been there for a year and it's like, no, I never look out the window. And when does she get to go home? Like she's doing apparently- When she's 18. You So you stay there till you're 18. Yeah, it's like they can't keep you after 18 because then you're an adult. But they'll like but even like, if you're oh even God, if you've like, been there for a year following the rules then you could just convince your parents because you want them to pay 60 grand again for the next year. Like, look, things are going really well. Do you really want to risk it and send your kid back out there? Like, this is great. She's like behaving. You can spin it either way. If like they're not behaving, they we need like more time with this kid. You shouldn't send them back out there or they're behaving. Clearly, it works. Why would you fuck up a good thing? That's, like, so insidious. It's awful. It just, like, I don't know, but it does feel sort of like a red flag. If someone who's making money off of you, if you give them any situation, the answer will always be the same. Like, oh, your kid's doing worse. They need to stay here. Or option B, your kid's doing better. They need to stay here. Mm -hmm. Like, they're profiting. That's a a red flag. Exactly. So in 2021, the industry was worth $23 a year. Where's all this money coming from? And how many kids are going through this system? I'm not sure. I think like in the low thousands. That's a lot of money for not. I mean, it's a profound impact on the people going through it, but it's not a lot of kids to be spending that much money on. Like, yeah, it's crazy. It's it's that's a lot of money. Well, if it's like 60k per kid, that, that <laughs> racks up quick, and you're paying the transporters. But and where is that money going? Into their pockets. That's like because it's not food and clothes and mattresses no and shower curtains it's like in the voluntourism episode when we talked about orphanages and how they they get all this money donated from charities in the u.s and that money is not used to clothe the children it goes to like the head of the orphanage that's that's so messed up like your child is going to leave without a degree emaciated traumatized yeah where is that money like that's so much money i I don't understand and because there's no federal oversight, so they don't have, there's no regulating it. Still. So you're saying in 2021 it was worth X, and now today it's still going on. Like these yeah. Provo Canyon places are still open and running. Yes. But some, I think, now have been shut down, mostly from Paris Hilton's efforts. Thank God. And like a whole coalition of people who survived these schools being like, no child should ever go to these places Mm -hmm. and trying to really like blow it all open and there's very since there's no oversight or regulation there's very little like actual information Mm. there was this one 
investigation in 2007, Gregory DeCutts, who was a managing director of forensic audits and special investigations for the U.S. Government Accountability Office, and Andy O'Connell, who was the assistant director, they testified before the House of Representatives, well, before the Committee on Education and Labor, and they presented a report called Residential Treatment Programs, Concerns Regarding Abuse and Death in Certain Programs for Troubled Youth. In the report, they talk about thousands of allegations of abuse, some involving death. Kids have died at these schools or running away from these schools in programs across the country and American own and run programs abroad. So they're doing this elsewhere, too. Oh, and the, the whole the report is between 1990 and 2007. And they couldn't identify like a specific number of allegations because there was like no website, no federal agency, no entity collecting nationwide data. Yeah. And in the report, they investigated cases of 10 teenagers who died in the programs. And they included evidence that some were starved, made to eat dirt, made to eat their own vomit in May 1990, there was a 15-year-old girl who died while hiking after reporting symptoms of dehydration for two days, and she was on the dirt road for 18 hours until she was found dead there. So she was missing, basically, for 18 hours. I I just, like, it's baffling. It's baffling because, no, it's just baffling full stop. <laughs> it's, it's just so cruel. It's so cruel. It's so cruel. In September of 2000, a 15-year-old boy was held face down in the dirt for 45 minutes and died of a severed artery in the neck. In February of 2001, a 14-year-old boy attempted to commit suicide, severing an artery with a camp-issued pocket knife. The knife was not taken away from him, even though he tried to kill himself. And then he hung himself in his tent the following day. In July 2002, a 14-year-old boy died of heat stroke exertion while hiking. A staff member hid behind a tree to see if he was faking it and checked for a pulse after he laid motionless for more than 10 minutes. I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. Like, yeah, they, they, there's no logic here, Audra. Stop trying to find it. Uh, November 2004, 15-year-old boy forced to wear a 20-pound sandbag around his neck as punishment for being too weak and collapsed and died. His autopsy revealed bruises all over his body. And this report doesn't even address the, like, the abuse where kids actually survived it was like focused on the deaths or like kids who died after the program based because of overdoses yeah or like horrible things that happened as a result of like their ptsd right but this is like one this is a huge report but it's like even this report struggles to find a lot of evidence i mean not that this this already to me i'm like shut every single All school evidence down you need. but yeah. they struggled to find evidence and there's also not a lot of research on the effects of the industry even in positive ways like right the benefit of having this there's one study that administrators like to push when selling parents on their program which is called the quote residential outcomes report of findings from a multi-center study of youth outcomes in private residential treatment it's the first like in-depth study of the effects it sampled nearly a thousand teenagers most who were white and from upper middle class and they said that they found a significant reduction in problems and therefore it's a rehabilitative experience. But this study was funded by the Aspen Education Group, which is an organization that owns and operates wilderness programs, residential therapeutic boarding schools, and weight loss clinics. I, I smell a conflict of interest. <laughs> yeah. So they use it as this recruitment tool. They guided the research and they did not provide a control group. So this is not a study. Also, like <laughs> a reduction in like problematic incidents after the program could also just mean like 
they're locked up in the wilderness, so there's no one around to know if they're doing problematic. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, okay, if your problem before was partying and now you're locked yes. in a cell with a drainage hole and no windows. Yes. You're That's not exactly partying. what I was thinking when I read that. I was like, reduction in problematic behavior. If your problematic behavior was drugs and now you're in a place where there's no drugs, sure, there's a reduction of drug use, but right. <laughs> like not because you cured them of addiction through these like amazing right. therapeutic practices. Right. Or like, well, they died, so they can't party anymore. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, fishy, fishy. Like, okay. Like, I need to know, what do you mean by reduction? Is this after they've reentered the real world? Like, it doesn't sound longitudinal in any meaningful sense where we're looking two, three, four, five years post-program. Mm-hmm. Or what about their job prospects now that they don't have a fucking high school degree? Like, yeah. that it just doesn't feel like a meaningful measurement of whether or not the kids are actually doing better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I read this I read this book about three different girls who were in and out of these programs and all died in the years after leaving from overdoses. And the author made this really good point about a lot of these kids being these young, rich girls, that there's also this like in society we have this very romanticized projected glamour of the like troubled white teenager. There's so many movies and books about this, like... Holden Caulfield. Yeah, like, dark, misunderstood. Especially when it's girls, it's, like, this sexy, damsel in distress situation. Mm. But it's a very short window where that's considered alluring. Mm -hmm. And then, very quickly, the same behavior that was, like, rewarded in some way, like, people giving these girls attention becomes like shameful and reckless and immature and then you get shunned for like not conforming like if you're Mm. 26 and being like a like drunk driving and like doing drugs in a bathroom or whatever and people around you are like have careers and stuff and they're like this is not that's not cute yeah yeah it's over then so they're like labeling these teens as troubled many times gets internalized and like seals their fate like they've yeah a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah and we have like an obsession with like the rise and fall of young women it's all over the media constantly we're seeing like like a celebrity is new and up and coming and people are so excited about this ingenue and then they get too big and we're not interested in that anymore and so then we like relish and seeing them fall yeah like now they're annoying like let's just wait until we see one thing we can pick apart exactly and so a lot of these girls that go through these programs are like isolated much more susceptible to addiction and come out of these programs and it's like not so cute when you're an adult to like be a mess and whatever but they don't have any other way to be Mm -hmm. and yeah like the internalization of this label that you're messed up carries through with them potentially forever right it just feels like anybody who is successful in the wake of it is kind of successful against all odds exactly and like like you should not have to be as resilient as paris like i'm telling you if i had been put in that situation i would not have had the fortitude or the constitution to run away Mm -hmm. over and over like i just that's not in me and i'm a strong person and that's just not in my bones like that is you should not have to be a one in a million type of person yeah to be successful after having gone to these programs exactly and i think there's some there's a really deep wound when you're a child and your parents fail you Mm -hmm. and you're i mean it starts to shift when you're a teenager you start like thinking your parents are annoying but like you rely on them as these experts and like to take care of you yeah like if you know if you're lucky enough to be in a home that's healthy but having your parents send you somewhere so horrific and 
not believe what you tell them. Like, I don't, I would never be able to trust anybody ever again. Like, I would never want anyone to be close to me. I like, if your parents can betray you in that way, I'm sure that that just like impacts every relationship that you have moving forward. A hundred thousand percent, especially because you either like believe that they knew how bad it was and that's why they sent you. And that is so just like undermining of a trusting relationship or you just believe that like no one's ever going to fucking get alone. So that's the troubled teen industry. Hopefully Paris Hilton will get all of these places shut down. Shut the fuck down. And build beautiful pink houses in their wake. <laughs> do um do these advocates who like Paris want to shut them down ever do they ever have any alternatives proposed or like are there other I guess it's hard because also the troubled teens mm-hmm. are such like a varied set of experiences where it could be you're a rich kid partying or it could be you yeah. are a chronic runaway who actually has like serious mental health concerns, whatever. Like, I guess it would be hard to propose anything because it would need to be so specific, like granular and specific. But is there any proposed like resource to fill this gap apparently that exists for parents or? I'm not sure if they have like a specific alternative, but I know that they do a lot of outreach to parents to convince, to try to convince them like, I understand that you're hurting and you're worried about your family. Mm -hmm. Given that concern, this is not the place for your child and like exposing them to the realities of it. And there there are wonderful places that you can go to if you are struggling with an eating disorder that are very therapeutic and do involve like an inpatient situation Mm -hmm. or addiction recovery centers. That's the thing, too, is that like if you are an adult and go to a therapeutic experience, like for the most part, Unless you're under some sort of involuntary hold, you need to agree to Mm -hmm. go. Right. But when you're a kid, you don't have that right. So your parent and then these counselors that have temporary medical parental authority over you make all these decisions for you and you are not allowed to walk out. And it's so important to have a say in recovery and like wanting to be there. I know that there's benefits to like doing interventions and sending people to rehab and stuff, but there is also a point where that person needs to want to get better or, or it's just not going to happen. Yeah. And like, I know that I have absolutely zero idea what it is like to, I don't know, be a parent who's struggling with, okay, my kid comes home and like threatens me Mm -hmm. or my kid comes home and has like violent meltdowns or my kid hasn't talked to me in over a year and isn't going to school Mm -hmm. and is doing drugs and I don't know what to do Mm -hmm. and I am not credentialed and I'm not an expert Mm -hmm. and I have no suggestions for those parents and I will who knows if I will ever 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 know what it is like but I currently don't know what that is like but it does feel like the path forward yes like it takes a village and yes it it might make sense to get help absolutely Mm -hmm. but the path forward at the least has to be more specialized and you should have more insight into what the fuck is going on with your exactly. kid. It should not be this one big mystery. This opaque it should thing. not be this blanket approach. It should not be this kind of thing where anybody, regardless if it's chronic partying or like violent outbursts or eating disorder or drug use, like it shouldn't be all the same prognosis mm-hmm. for every single one of those kids. Mm-hmm. And you don't get to see behind closed doors what's going mm-hmm. on. Like that those are the red flags that I'm seeing. And obviously a lot more, but just in terms of when you have no other information about this program beyond 
those things because they're hiding it from you, those two things should start ringing alarm bells. Absolutely. And I, I think it's really, it was shocking to me and a good reminder that we are all susceptible to being mm-hmm. convinced that something is positive. Mm-hmm. We are not immune to propaganda. Even this American legacy family that has all this money and all of the resources could still be duped in this way yeah. out of love for their child. And, you know, your point is true that I completely empathize with loving someone so much that you would do anything to protect them Mm -hmm. and in that bubble you're so vulnerable and Mm -hmm. it's also so terrifying to think of them going to visit her at Provo and seeing this beautiful room like it also shouldn't be a parent's responsibility to be an investigative journalist when they're paying $60,000 a year to send their kid to this program that's supposed to be so wonderful I'm always like clawing for an answer and like I know I know sometimes we have to sit in the discomfort of like we might not know right now what what the answer is but this is just what a can of fucking worms i know it's wild and i had no clue that this was even an option to like send your kid to one of these things you know and i know it's because a i don't have a kid and b like i was never in therapy growing up or or, like a problematic child in a way that this information would get to my parents Mm -hmm. but it's so crazy to think like your parents think they're doing everything right they're like sending you to because it's this escalation of like all right let's try therapy okay, let's try this two-month camp. Okay, let's try this boarding school. Mm-hmm. And you don't realize what's going on. It's oh, it's so heartbreaking. And something I generally get frustrated about is when things are blown completely out of proportion. So I obviously am always cognizant of like, when I start talking about like, what policy should Paris be recommending? Like, I'm cognizant of the fact that, okay, it's thousands, but not millions of teens going through these systems each year. But it is billions of dollars, mm-hmm. and it is also indicative of the underlying problem that we're identifying, which is a lot of parents don't know what to do. This is just sort of getting at, like, maybe it's starting a conversation of how can we better support parents who, like, think they're doing right by their kids and might be hurting them? Like, what do parents need in the numerous situations that might lead them to send their kid to a troubled teen industry like yeah or if there was actual federal oversight like if there was some form of i mean i'm not a psychologist i'm not i'm not a professional but on my like lay person first impression i don't see like a glaring issue with a boarding school like any other boarding school that's like focused on academics and like you go to be in school that has a a stronger focus on mental health right you know people go to performing arts schools and they like have math in the morning and then dance all afternoon like you have a school that's like we do academics in the morning and then we do group therapy and that to me sounds lovely but that has to be something that there's like actual regulation and rules that you have to follow and an accreditation that makes sense and like audits on it and making sure that there's not abuse the way that any place that you send a kid to should have right right I just I'm also thinking about how my mental health would have been so much better in high school if I just had less homework oh my god I know like the therapeutic boarding (sighs) school to me I'm like start at 10 30 in the morning yeah run till four have optional opt-in sports maybe therapy every night for x amount of time one-on-one or group up to you with uh, board certified, yeah. <laughs> ideally, psychiatrists and, and Not psychologists. These quote unquote counselors who are yeah. just other traumatized children, now adults. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. 
And then just no homework. Like, yeah, you can like go to bed, like movie night every night in the common room or go to bed at your leisure. And like, we'll be starting at 1030 in the morning. And that alone. Oh, my God. My mental health would have been like next level. I would have been the stablest gal you ever met if that was my high school experience. It's like it doesn't have to be so extreme. Totally. And again, like I'm not trying to say like this is like the foremost issue facing our country. I don't want to be like Mm -hmm. stirring up a craze and bringing a debate to a fever pitch that like the frequency of the issue really doesn't warrant. But this is we're just we're starting conversation. We're suggesting that the people who help your kids with their mental health be actually accredited. And Mm -hmm. yeah, regulation could be nice. Yeah. And even if it's not millions of kids, there shouldn't be one child locked in a room freezing. No, absolutely not. So it definitely needs to be resolved. And it's certainly another example of when there's no government oversight and you just allow the market to like create a solution to a perceived problem, mm-hmm. you can have some things go real backwards real quick. <laughs> not the market. Not the market <laughs> starting cults. Not being not Mel Wasserman being like, oh, inspo. This cult yeah, is great. The, the only good thing to come out of the free market is drag brunch. And I stand by that. There you go. <laughs> Culture Colander is produced by Elisa Nolasco and Audra Fitzgerald. Show art by Angela Cho and music by Santiago Hervella. Research for each episode is conducted independently and is for entertainment purposes only. Information shared in the show reflects the best we know at this moment in time, and there is always more to learn. 